0: the Lord be with you, and welcome to the worship service of Holy Trinity Anglican in Madison, Mississippi. It is a joy to be called into the life of God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Our prayer is that our hearts and minds are open to receive the Lord. By His Spirit, through His sacraments, and in the hearing of His Word, we are confident the Lord will meet us. So won't you join us? We're praying that you will.
1: Open with me to Mark chapter five. Mark chapter five. And the title of the message this morning is A Generous Faith. I didn't plan this, but David, under the leading of the Holy Spirit, chose a song this morning that really, I think, is a great place to begin. It was that chorus called Made Me Glad. And it's beginning, it says, "'I will bless the Lord forever. "'I will trust in Him at all times. "'He has delivered me from all fear. "'He has set my feet upon a rock, "'and I will not be moved. "'And I'll say of the Lord, "'You are my shield, my strength, my portion, "'my shelter, strong tower, my very present help in a time of need. Brothers and sisters, as we gather here this morning, I know for a fact there are many seated among us that right now find themselves in a time of need. There are things happening in people's lives all across this room where they don't know what the next step is. They don't know how they're gonna make it from today to tomorrow, and the only hope that they have is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if we don't have a faith that works in the middle of crisis, in the middle of uncertainty, in the middle of sorrow, in the middle of suffering, in the middle of sickness, then we don't have a faith worth much. But we have a faith that will carry us through every trial and every trouble that this life has to offer us. It doesn't mean that we'll be alleviated from trial and trouble, but the Lord God Almighty will be with us in trouble and trial. Now, our Old Testament reading began with the fact that we, the people of God, must be ready when we find those who are suffering among us to have more than pity, we must be proactive. Did you notice that Old Testament reading in Deuteronomy, when you find the poor among you, what are you supposed to do? Give. What do they need? Supply their need. If it's within your ability to meet the need of one who is suffering or in sorrow or in lack, the response of the child of God is to do something. Be God's hands, be God's feet, do what God requires, and come alongside all who are sorrowful and suffering. Oh, bless your heart, is not sufficient. Oh, be present with the suffering. Oh, be present with those who weep. Be there in the midst of the struggle. Carry the load. Come alongside. Be present. The New Testament reading says, look, if you find yourself in lack as a person of God, what do you do? Give out of your your lack. You see, the Christian brothers and sisters, they gave when they didn't have anything. They begged for the opportunity to give, even though they didn't have much. This ought to be the heartbeat of the church. We who have received from God the gifts and the graces of the Lord Christ, we ought to be a generous people. Generous with each other, generous with the suffering, generous with the sorrowful. We must be people who behave like the Lord Jesus. Unless you forget, the Corinthians passage references a part of Philippians where Jesus didn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he gave up everything in the heavenly realm and humbled himself and he became obedient. He gave all that he had, even to the point of death, that you and I might know life. So good news this morning, if we live like Jesus, all of you who this morning are suffering will have companions in the midst of the struggle. And in all those who are not suffering this morning, good news, you get to come alongside of people who are in need, because you're going to need it someday too. This is the life of the Church. In addition to the fact that there are people in this room suffering, I want you to know there are people all over the world suffering this morning. I got an urgent email from a friend of mine in Nigeria. Jerry McDermott, who many of you have heard me reference, teaches at Beeson Divinity School in Birmingham, Alabama. He's the head of the Anglican Studies program. He sent me a private email, said pray. I'm in Jos with Archbishop Ben Kwashi, and the Faluni tribesmen have attacked our caravan was caught in the middle of the attack. We had to exit our vehicle and run for shelter. We tried to get in a police station. They wouldn't let us in. We found a makeshift clinic where they were treating the wounded and we were able to go in and it was actually God's providence because we were able to do ministry to those who, were, who, were, who had been wounded or dying. Pray. The next day I get another email from Jerry. Pray. I was at Archbishop Quashie's house and the tribesmen came and were stealing his cattle. This is the third attack on Bishop, Archbishop Ben's house. They're, they're stealing his cattle and in the process, his neighbor came out to, hear, to find out what was going on and they shot him dead, pray. To all of this, Archbishop Ben says this. This is what God has called us to. Mission amidst persecution. We love one another, and the devil is driving us Christians closer together. Did you hear what he said? Mission among persecution is what God has given us to do. The devil's trying to tear us apart, but he's actually drawing us closer together. You see, there is real suffering and real violence, and real need all around us. And to that current reality, we come to this text. And St. Mark is calling us to faith. Bubba preached last week out of Mark chapter 4, and he reminded you that Christ is right in the midst of the boat with you whether the, when the storm is howling, Right? So I like to outline chapters 4 and 5 this way. Mark is trying to hold up the power of the gospel. Chapter 4 against disaster, storms. Chapter 5, he wants to show us that his power over demons, verses 1 to 20. His power over disease, verses 21 to 34. His power over death, verses 35 through 43. Do you see this? We have a God... Who is able to quiet the storm, to cast out the demon, to overcome disease, and to give victory in death. That's who we come to worship this morning. And what do I hope comes out of all of this? As we begin this journey this morning, as St. John concluded his gospel... Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not recorded in this book, but these were written so that you might believe, and that word is faith, that you might faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. My prayer this morning is that we will walk out of this room with a generous faith, that we will believe anew and afresh in the power of the gospel, over every circumstance that we're facing in life. And we will believe the power of the gospel for our friends and brothers and sisters who this day know persecution and struggle and sorrow. It'll require faith. As the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things that you hope for and the conviction of things that you can't yet see. Do you believe God can heal even when you can't see it? Do you believe that God will make a way through the desert of suffering even though you don't know how you're going to get out? Just like he parted that Red Sea when there were mountains on either side and an enemy behind, he made a way, and he can do this for us too. Do you believe that God can provide in the midst of your loss and your lack even though you don't know how? When your paycheck is gone, when you don't know where your next paycheck is coming from, do you believe that God is able to provide? Do you believe that, church? Because that's the faith that God's calling us to. Three things I want you to see from this passage this morning. First of all, I want you to see a courageous faith, verses 21 to to 24. Second, I want you to see a call to greater faith, Verses 35 through 42. And then last, I want you to see a curious command. A courageous faith, 21 to 24. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat, now he had just crossed from this, this, um, the miracles of, uh, on one side of, of the lake. And he had gone through the storm and he gets to the other side. And a great crowd had already gathered beside the sea. And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, "My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be well and live." And he went with him. Now, look, this is pretty curious, isn't it? It's pretty curious, but it's pretty courageous. Jairus is a ruler of some sort in the synagogue. We don't know exactly what his title was. We don't know exactly what his job was. But he was a leader in the synagogue. Who was it that was persecuting Jesus? The Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, the leaders of the synagogue. Okay, so Jairus, whatever his role, was right in the crowd that was saying that Jesus wasn't Messiah and that Jesus needed to go and get out. But when his daughter was at the point of death, where did Jarius run? To Jesus. You know, it's easy to say, I don't believe in God when you're not in the foxhole. It's really easy to say, well, I don't know too much about Jesus. I'm a little agnostic about Jesus when I'm not in the crucible of suffering. But when I'm in the foxhole or when I'm in the midst of pain, I want a Lord God Almighty that is greater than my suffering. So did Jarius. Jerry says, I, I got a daughter who's dying and I need a Messiah. So his synagogue ruler runs to Jesus and says, I got a sick daughter. I got a sick daughter and I need help. And if you'll, just, if you'll just touch her, if you'll just lay your hands on her, if you'll just pray over her, I know she'll get well. Now as the daddy if I have a sick daughter, I'll do anything for that girl. And he did. He ran to the one place that he thought he could find help, to the one place where he'd find hope, and it was Jesus. And what did Jesus, how did Jesus respond? He went with him. The Savior goes with him. There's a crowd of people gathered around. There's all kinds of needs surrounding him. Jarius comes to him and says, If you'll just come with me, I know my daughter will be well. Come with me. And Jesus turns his back on everything else and he begins to go with Jarius to see the need of his daughter. Why? Because Jairus had faith. He had the conviction of what he couldn't see, the assurance of what he had hoped for, which was a daughter that was whole and healthy and well. He believed, and he came to Jesus, and Jesus turns and goes with him. Now, I don't know why, but the makers of the lectionary skip the next thing. The next thing is that there's a woman with an issue of blood who... She just believes that if she can just reach out, even while Jesus is leaving, while he's going with Jairus, if she could just barely touch him, she thinks maybe, possibly, that he would heal her of her issue of blood. She'd been to every other kind of help. Isn't that how it always works? We try everything else, and then we'll give Jesus a shot. She had done everything else. She had spent all her fortune. She had gone to every doctor. She had done everything she could think of. And then all of a sudden, she said, well, maybe if I just touch Jesus, maybe if I just try Jesus, I'll get well. And Jesus, you remember what he says? All these people crushed up against him. Who touched me? The disciples are like, what do you mean, who touched you? Everybody's touching you, man. No, no, somebody touched me in faith. We know that this woman is healed. But that's not the sermon. So we're going to skip all that. But I just want you to see that in the midst of going to heal this little girl, this this man's daughter, there's a miracle on the way to a miracle. Because the woman had faith to touch Jesus. And Jesus is greater than disease. But we're going to skip that because the lectionary didn't have it in there. That was free. So anyway, moving on. So Jairus and Jesus are turning and they're headed to see his daughter in verse 35, verses 35 to 42. Somebody comes up. Now, while, while Jesus was still speaking about healing this woman, there's somebody came from, the, the, from Jairus' house and says, hey, look, your daughter's dead. Quit bothering the teacher. Now, this is an interesting moment. Nobody had ever raised anybody from the dead at this point. And Jairus has faced the reality that his daughter's dead. And the the ruler's house servant comes and says, hey, quit bothering him. It's, It's too late. And Jesus says, will you still believe? When it's impossible, will you still believe? He got delayed along the way, and the daughter dies, but he says to him, don't fear, believe. I don't know about you, but when I'm in the face of trouble, fear is easy, faith is hard. But Jesus is saying, look, if you're facing that trouble, do not fear, I am here. It makes all the difference in the world. It doesn't change the the realities but it changes you. He didn't, Jesus wouldn't let anybody else come. He just took Peter and James and John. They went into the house. They went into the house and they closed the door. And all the professional mourners were there. Which means this little girl had been dead a time. We don't know how long she'd been dead. They'd had time to call all the professional mourners, all the musicians, all the family, all the friends, and there was a commotion going on. And Jesus took the three disciples and the daddy, and he goes in, and he closes the door, and he reaches out, and he touches that little girl. Notice that the... the, when Jesus healed disease, that woman reached out and touched him. When when God overcomes death, He reaches out and touches us. He said, "Talitha cuma, arise." And she stood up. She stood up. Can you imagine? You're Jarius. You've been persecuting this man. You've been encouraging people not to believe that he's Messiah. You've just seen him raise your daughter from dead. You've seen him cleanse a woman from an issue of blood by touching him. Surely he's the Son of God. Can you imagine Jairus's faith at this point? Can you imagine what Peter and James and John are feeling? This display of grace where Christ overcomes death. I don't know about you, but if if I had been in that room, I would be in front of a camera, I'd be telling my story. I was the eyewitness. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Y'all are never going to believe this. I'm going to tell you what happened. He went into that room, he reached out his hand, and he touched this little girl and said, Talitha Kuma, and she got up. And she was dead, and she's alive. I was there, eyewitness, put me on CNN, Fox News. But Jesus says something really curious in the midst of this moment. He gives them a command. What does he sell them? He says, now, when you leave here, he strictly charged them that no one should know. And then he said, give the little girl something to eat. Now this is really curious to me. Did any of y'all ever read things like that and go, huh? I read my Bible like that and I ask God when I'm reading, I'm going, Lord, that seems weird. But you see, what Jesus is after is faith. What he's after is a faith, not a longing for signs. He's looking for people to have faith in a savior not a longing for a particular sign or miracle. If they won't believe in me as Messiah, how in the world will they see the miracle? If they don't know that I'm the Savior, how will they see the signs and wonders? There's another time where Jesus didn't do many miracles in the town. Why? Because they didn't believe. You see, faith is a prerequisite. We need to all long for the Savior, not for the sign. And just as Jesus reached out his hand for that little girl and raised her from death, he is reaching out his hands to us this morning, all of us who know the death of sin. And he's reaching out his hand to us and saying, believe in me, not for what I can do, but because of who I am. And I will make you live. And he said, give the little girl something to eat. And likewise, he offers us this morning, if you will believe in me for who I am, I will feed you from my table. I will fill your heart, I will make you strong, I will send you out in the midst of this fallen world, amidst the brokenness of the disease of the demoniacs and all the struggles of death, and I will give you hope, and I will give you strength, and I will give you life, and I will give you companionship, and I will give you compassion. Because I'm the Lord God Almighty, and I've come to deliver you from all evil, the evil of disaster and demons and disease and death. For you see, there will come a day when the Lord Jesus Christ will come again, and there will be no more death, and there will be no more disease, and the demons will be cast in the pit of fire, and the disasters will cease And we will only delight to be present with the Lord. But today, we live in a fallen world. Today, will you cling to Jesus? Today, will you have a generous faith? If you're in need, may the Lord God send someone to come alongside of you. If you're in plenty, open your eyes and your hearts and your hands and be generous for me personally, this, this Trinity Tide season, the Lord has kept bringing me back to this prayer of Clement of Rome. And I've been praying this regularly in my prayer time, and I offer it again. Almighty and ever living God, you are the ruler of all creation, and the whole universe is subject to your authority. Strengthen our faith hope, and love, so that we may do with loving hearts whatever you ask of us, and so come to share the life you promise. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God,
0: forever and ever. Holy Trinity Anglican is a faith family that seeks to encounter and share the Holy Trinity through worship, community, and mission. We're located at 432 Bozeman Road in Madison, Mississippi, and we invite you to join us each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.